Welcome to Giant Size Violence, an Ultra Mega Podcast. I'm your host, Tommy, and joining me today are two guests I'm very excited to welcome to the show. Joining us once again is our friend from the Henshin Men, Nathan. Welcome Hello. to the show. <laughs> and also joining us is his co-host in common. Welcome to the show, Michael. <laughs> oh, okay. Tommy, you're getting the lore. Uh, <laughs> co-host in common. Yeah, I, I know no wrong show. This is more of a... Uh, power trip uh crossover here but yeah power yeah. yeah power trip one of my 97 other podcasts right <laughs> yeah i mean it's uh you uh you just love the attention apparently <laughs> I, well you've heard of hydro hog i guess i'm the attention hog uh well you know we're <laughs> wah, wah, wah. okay there you go but for my listeners unaware, yeah, uh, Nathan and Michael are from the Power Trip podcast, a show that's looking over the entirety of Power Rangers one season at a time, taking on that ambitious project and a little bit more from what I hear is coming down the pipeline. Yeah, <laughs> we're we're a little crazy. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, it's it was um, it started back in 2020. Uh, because during pandemic, I had nothing better to do than to to watch Power Rangers. Uh, I was I was working from home. I'm a, I'm a working art director, graphic designer, what have you, and so I had the privilege of working from home through the pandemic. And uh, but everything around me was shut down. So what else am I going to do except, of course, watch Power Rangers? <laughs> and I had not watched Power Rangers in probably oh god, 15 years, and. Um, I came to realize, I think it was around high, maybe Z, maybe I think it was around season three, maybe Turbo, not Turbo, but uh, Zio. Uh, I came to realize that maybe what rewatching these things as an adult, uh, there's actually more to this franchise than what people want to give it credit for. So um, at the time, uh, our co-hosting common Travis Alexander um we started a magazine called Kaiju Ramen and we, as I think we were on issue three at the time and I got the itch that I wanted to write an article series for that magazine and I wanted to base it around Power Rangers. I just didn't know what, the, I just didn't know what the, what the subject matter would be. I knew it was Power Rangers. I just didn't know exactly what, um, what avenue I wanted to take it. And then, uh, I was having a, a random conversation with my friend Nathan here and he says, oh, so you're going on your power trip. Um, and it kind of went from there. It was like, Oh, that sounds like a great name for the article series. And then the more I kept thinking about the article series, the more I thought, well, what if I started a podcast at the time, Nathan was not my co-host, but what if I started a podcast where I go through each season of power Rangers and just discuss them in broad strokes, like talk about themes, uh, the Rangers, the Zords, the aesthetics, the whole nine yards. Because at the time, I was consuming a lot of podcasts, particularly uh, Power Ranger podcasts, because I was getting back into the franchise. And I noticed I noticed something about Power Ranger podcasts that exist now. They typically only do like episode by episode or just a batch of episodes at a time from a particular season, which is great because it allows them to go really deep and granular but the problem I was finding is a lot of the um, 
the subject matter they were talking about in certain episodes was just maybe not something I either cared about or seasons I wasn't familiar with, or I would have to go and, and dig around and find the and find the actual conversations I wanted to listen to. And I thought, well, what if what if I just talked about the the the, the franchise in broad strokes with with you know, go season by season, which I realized was very ambitious. Um, <laughs> more and, ambitious than I think you realized. <laughs> well, yeah, more ambitious than I realized. You're right, Nathan. And um, so I enlisted. I I had a I had a group of of friends that I could pull from. Everyone turned me down except for Nathan. So he was I'm crazy because he was co-host by default. Um, and we've just been you know having a good time going through season by season, which I realize again is incredibly ambitious and I did not realize how much work was going to go into doing something like this. But essentially the Power Trip podcast is a companion audio podcast to coincide with Kaiju Rama magazine's article series. So we're getting ready to publish mm -hmm. issue six and in issue six, it's part two of the article series where I discuss uh, Green with Evil and mm -hmm. the lasting effects and that lasting legacy of Green with Evil because you know we've we've seen what that simple five parter has done for the franchise. You know, mm -hmm. comic and uh, for the non Power Rangers fans in the audience, this is the five part mini series that introduced the infamous Green Ranger to the Power yes. Rangers right. franchise. Right, and if you want to get an audio companion to that particular article, Michael. It was a patron of the Monster Arm Phone Vault at the time, and he requested Green with Evil several months ago. So you can go listen to us talk about that on that show. It's the curse of knowledge. So thank you, Tommy, for uh, <laughs> uh, bringing me back around. So it's it's the curse of knowledge where you just know things and then you start talking and people are like, what do you what? What? Huh? What? What is this? <laughs> what is this Green Ranger you speak of? No, but. I Go ahead. I, Go ahead. I am curious on your show, though, uh, since you guys have been releasing those episodes at a pretty breakneck pace, considering how long each season is. Like, are y'all marathoning through every single episode I, every I, season? Up until, I think, Time Force for me, I was just going back and watching some key episodes because I was watching I was watching them last year just on my own time for uh, for the uh, just for the fun of it. But once we got to Wild Force, it turned into a marathon because neither of us had watched everything up to that point. I had watched a little bit of Wild Force uh, before The Purge, that before Netflix took Power Rangers off. Most of it. Yeah. Mo well, I should say, yeah, you're right. Most of Power Rangers came off of Netflix. And I had watched Wild Force up to that time. So I was like Nathan, I was going back and just re-watching key episodes because leading up to that point, I was watching Power Rangers for fun, not because I needed to record a podcast on it. So I would say for me, I started really, I guess, binging the seasons when it came to the, when it came time to record Ninja Storm, because uh, I fell off in um, I think I fell off around originally Lost Galaxy was where I fought, fell off of the franchise during the original run of the show. And then. I had already watched through Lightspeed Rescue Time Force, and I just had to go back and do a refresher. But the Disney era was completely new territory for me. You, although you did squeeze in Dino Thunder and RPM before the power. Oh uh, yeah, you're you're right. Before the purge, I did squeeze those two in uh, per recommendations from some of our our, our podcast friends. Now, for those wondering, uh, 
Why the shift to the Power Rangers focus? Well, we kind of had an opportunity that fit perfectly for both our podcasts. Um, mine being a show dedicated to the the R-rated or mature audience skewing toku shows and movies. And Nathan and Michael being my resident Power Rangers experts. Uh, <laughs> this seemed like the perfect opportunity to cover a little short film from 2015. An infamous short film of many names, uh, that being Power Slash Rangers, or Power Rangers Unauthorized, or Bootleg Power Rangers, whatever you want to call it. Uh, the incredibly gritty Power Rangers film you probably saw shared on Facebook around 2015. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, It was directed and co-written by Joseph Kahn, I hope I said that right, produced by Adi Shankar and Jill Harden, and oh, it was co also co-written by James Vanderbeek. And Dutch Southern, there's a lot of screenwriters on this, but it was produced by, I'm trying to see the production company on this, because it was, uh, Adi Shankar is the head of the studio that put this together. I'm just trying to see what the, uh, what the name of the studio is, because he has a whole YouTube channel where, and he's done a whole series of movies, or short films, I should say, that are like this. Mm. Yeah. Now, I feel like the, uh, the reputation of this movie or the fan feelings toward it have kind of changed over the last seven years. Um, it's not terribly well liked among the fan community from what I've seen, but uh, I'm curious how you guys felt about this when it first came out and how you felt about it now revisiting it for the for this episode. Well, I... Um... I, I'll be honest with you. I liked it when I first saw this in 2015. I originally liked it uh, because I had been away from Power Rangers for so long that this was this was kind of a, a weird reintroduction to that. And I was like, wow, this is like very like edgelord type Power Rangers stuff. And as I've kind of went back through the franchise, it has its place. Um, I think that. I think that the satire that it's meant to be is lost on a lot of people. And I and I totally understand why people would want something like this to be official media from Hasbro or some official media from another from another company. I don't think I honestly don't think Hasbro would tackle something like this. Well, what's um, kind of confusing is when this was originally released on YouTube and Vimeo, it, you know, it got a lot of hits very quickly. And mm -hmm. then what was confusing is apparently Saban because Saban owned the franchise uh, again at the time got wind of it and apparently said, Oh, okay, this is cool of you guys, but then gave them a copyright strike and got it kicked off for a day. And then there were bunches of protests and they got, and then they said, okay, fine. You could put it back up. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it, it, like I said, it has, it's, it has its place. It's not my, it's not my favorite fan film. I think, Hyperforce has been my favorite iteration of of fan things that have come no, out. No, that's actually considered official media. Oh, that's right. Yeah, you're right. Hyperforce is considered official. Hyperforce is considered official. It's just um, you know, you know, going back rewatching it now for for this show and refreshing my memory on what it's like. I just I don't know. I'm conflicted about it because again, it it has its place for people that want that gritty rated R, rated MA style, but also Power Rangers. But I'm almost I'm almost conflicted because if you go so far with it, it almost ceases to be Power Rangers. So it's just right. really it, it's almost really it's a weird thing. 
I, right. I don't I don't hate that it exists. Uh, it's just not necessarily for me. Right. I don't remember when I first saw it. Yeah, I honestly don't remember. I don't remember if someone shared it with me or if I saw it on social media, but it was the edition that was on YouTube, which in case anyone cares, it is slightly censored on YouTube. Only slightly. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, oh yeah, really, only slightly. But I know I watched it the first time on YouTube and like a lot of people when I was watching it, I didn't realize that this was meant to be satire. Cause like I said, Adi Shankar has a whole series. You can go on his YouTube channel and you can see these, a series of short films based on pre-existing geek properties that are meant to be satires. And this in particular, like another, just to give an example, another one that he's done. And I've seen this one is he did a Punisher fan film. Interestingly enough, that had Thomas Jane who played the Punisher in the 2004 movie it's called Punisher Dirty Laundry, and apparently that's considered satire too. But when I watched it, like this is when I I watched it, but then when I read it, it was supposed to be satire. I was like, how is this satire? This really does feel like a Punisher story. Mm. But whatever. I watched this initially and took it seriously. I, the satire was lost on me, and then I started hearing, oh, this is supposed to be a satire. He's poking fun at how, especially at that moment, it was popular to take stuff that was you know, meant for kids or families or whatever and do these dark, gritty reboots. You know, make it for the grown-ups and all of that sort of stuff. And that was lost on me. Watching it now, again, knowing this, I see it. But it's... The only thing I can think of to liken it to it would be, like, RoboCop. But I still <laughs> feel like the original RoboCop was still pretty plain with its satire, despite the fact that it's doing a lot of crazy things there as well it's very ultra violent but it was the ultra violence was part of the satire yeah yeah i didn't know it was satire either until i think i had either read it or I don't know, maybe you even told me this nathan when that it was satire uh because i did when i first saw it i did not see it as satire i thought it as someone's very serious attempt to remake Power Rangers in their own vision that's what i thought it was right and there's a lot of people i know Tommy, you said that it's not well-liked in the community. You say that, but we've gotten requests from our listeners, from the Power Trip listeners, wanting us to cover it. And they might acknowledge the satire, but they don't view it ironically. They take it seriously. And there's still a contingent of fans who take it seriously and think this is the direction that Power Rangers should go. Mm. Yeah. I was definitely in that camp when it came out, not realizing this was meant to be satire. And mm -hmm. I remember that the uh, the 2017 film was, I think, in production at this point. And like a lot of us were kind of hoping this was some kind of trailer for that or something that was going to influence that in some way. Right. Uh, but now looking back, knowing it's satire, that honestly makes me appreciate this even more because like Power Rangers at its heart is not really meant for an r-rated audience no but no but at the same time r-rated power rangers is also a thing that me and obviously a lot of other power rangers fans want to see mm. and while i believe the correct way of doing something like that is like ultra mega like make something that's similar but same right. things so you don't tarnish a brand yeah. by doing it i think this is 
basically the only way R-rated Power Rangers should exist reasonably is in the form of an unofficial fan film that's meant to be kind of a joke about itself. So, right. yeah, like I think it's kind of the perfect way to do this if you decide to do R-rated Power Rangers. Yeah, Michael and I have been having some discussions about this, and it was like, how far can you take something with your reimagining or remaking or whatever it is before it ceases to be the thing? And I do feel like, even though if you watch Super Sentai, which is the Japanese source material where Power Rangers comes from, there are some that are pretty dark. There are also some Power Ranger seasons that are actually kind of dark. Time Force, kind of dark. RPM, really dark. <laughs> we just finished recording on rpm over the weekend rpm like i said is pretty dark 2017 movie gets pretty dark the boom studios comics at points get pretty dark but they don't veer off into r-rated territory not quite and i feel like that that's a line that it just can't cross if it crosses that line it's not really power rangers anymore even super sentai has never gone quite that long although a few weeks ago on Twitter, people were freaking out because apparently somebody decided to flip out over the fact that there is the mildest of sex scenes in Abad Ranger, which is where Dino Thunder came from. It's like blinking, you miss it. It's between a husband and a wife and you barely see anything of it. I, I just I just I struggle. Honestly, I'm, I'm I'll admit I struggle with things like this because creatively I think thing I I really think it's useful to have things like this exist because it does it fills a gap for a lot of people. It filled a gap for you, Tommy. Um, it fills a gap that people I think long for, where they want to see necessary they they want to see grittier versions of properties they maybe grew up with, or maybe they or they want to see probably a better way to say it is uh, they want to see reimaginings of properties that maybe have gotten stale or just um have a have a consistent aesthetic or a consistent or, or a very predictable aesthetic that that's run throughout it so having something like this that kind of shakes up the status quo is extremely appealing to people and i get like why this thing exists uh because i can't remember what 2015 i can't remember what season was around at the time i th think it was dino charge be about Dino Charge, Mega Super Mega Force, something or around, and and at the uh, Dino Charge. This came out literally two weeks after Dino Charge started. Right. So at the time, uh, you know, given what we saw with the Disney era, with with when Saban took over the franchise back from Disney, and, and he partnered with Viacom to get it up on Nickelodeon, uh, as we've noticed with Samurai. It is very geared towards children, and it is oh, very, Lord, yeah. it is we're, very, very silly. Yeah, we're watching Samurai in preparation for our next main episode, and it's been difficult. <laughs> so I can see why I can see why the desire for something existed. Yeah, yeah, and especially when this came out, like this was kind of getting toward the tail end of this specific brand of movies. But like, sure. ever since the first Michael Bay Transformers movie, I know oh, I wasn't. Yeah alone in wanting something like that for Power Rangers. And uh, frankly, like, that's still to some level what I want to see. Like, I think the perfect Power Rangers film is kind of in some sort of Goldilocks zone between what this is and what the 2017 movie is. Mm -hmm. it just, like, I actually really like the 
framing device and story of this. Uh, there's a lot of things I actually like better in this. Not everything, but... Uh, it's an interesting concept because it almost reminds me of what happened in O-Ranger. Now, O-Ranger, for anyone who's not familiar, O-Ranger was a Super Sentai series put out around 95, 96, and it became the it became the stock footage reservoir for Power Rangers Zeo. And so in O-Ranger, the Machine Empire, spoiler for anyone who's not watched O-Ranger, sorry, the Machine Empire actually end up winning. They actually end up taking over. And there is this resistance, by the end of the series, there is this resistance of rangers that has to rise up to defeat them, to defeat the Machine Empire. And it reminded me something similar to that. So it would not surprise me that the, the creators of this, of this short film did not go and take a lot of inspiration from O-Ranger. Right. I was just going to say the people who worked on this clearly know their ranger lore. At least oh, there's do. there's uh, their early to mid Saban era ranger lore. And I feel like there's even a few things in there that are meant to be kind of metatextual, mm -hmm. you know, just to give everybody a quick plot rundown of this. Basically, what we have here, we've talked we, we probably should have led with this. <laughs> the whole thing it, basically what happens in this is that it opens up with this dystopian world where the machine empire is one. And then we there's a little bit of narration. We see a battle between Rangers and Zords in the machine empire. And then it cuts to Rocky. And uh, I'm going to mention some of the actors because there's some fairly there's some Hollywood actors who are actually in this technically, if, if particularly if you remember early 2000s television. But we we code we cut to Rocky played by James Vanderbeek, who was on Dawson's Creek yeah. back in the day. Mr. Dawson's Creek himself. Yeah. <laughs> and he is interrogating Kimberly, played by Kaylee and Sackhoff. I hope I said that right. Katie who Sackhoff. famously played Starbuck in the remake of Battlestar Galactica. And he's trying to get her to tell him where Tommy is. And it's through their conversation during this interrogation that we start finding out about a lot of things that have been going on with the ongoing war. We see a few clips of what Tommy is doing. We see what some of the other Rangers were doing, but we also find out all the other Rangers are dead. And Rocky thinks that Tommy is going around offing all of them. Mm-hmm. And do we want to just give spoilers? Yeah. What's the spoiler policy on here? Yeah. And I mean, come on, if you want to stop this podcast and watch the 17 minute short film, like, heck, you could have squeezed that in with us as a voiceover to this point. Yeah. Oh, yeah. hell, it's not even 17 minutes. It's like yeah, 14, it's more like 14, 14 and a half. Right. Yeah. This will be like your first episode where you could have live watched the entire piece of content <laughs> and then recorded <laughs> well yeah. over and still not even be your longest episode. Yeah, right. basically. But no, so spoiler warning, official spoiler warning. And then we find out that by the end of the whole thing, as the conversation gets progressively more intense. Oh, and by the way, Rocky has a bionic leg. And we find out that uh, oh, Tommy shows up, picks a fight with Rocky, kills Rocky, and then... No, Kimberly kills Rocky. Yeah, Tommy loses to Rocky. I'm kind of sore about that. <laughs> they fight, They have a fight. Kimberly shoots him. And instead of being overjoyed at being reunited, Tommy says, you're not Kim. Kim died in my arms. I don't know who you are. And, Which then, it is an interesting it's, and then it turns out it's Rita. Yeah. <laughs> played by, I might add, played by 
Carla Perez, who played Rita in the show. Who was the face actress for season, part of season two and then into season three and into Zio, yes. Yeah. So she's the only person who reprises her role. Mm-hmm. Now, we do get cameos from a few other characters, arranger characters from that time. Uh, apparently, General Clank is in this. I must have blinked and missed him. Uh, no, you did not, sir. He was the Asian gentleman in the white suit. Oh, oh, the North Korean. Oh, right. Yeah. Okay, so that's not a ranger character. But we see Bulk and Skull, who apparently joined the Machine Empire, became terrorists, I guess? Meth heads that are willing to sell yeah, the French heads, meth. Yeah. Which, because apparently the Machine Empire makes better meth. And I would like to say this is that's literally the moment that the short film kind of loses me because it opens like honestly an awesome piece of content that should be official, like the Saving Private Ryan style right. intro yeah. with the Zord battle. I will say that the, was clever. That was very clever. I don't know what the Rangers are shooting at with their M16s in the middle of a Zord battle or who's driving their Zord, but whatever, it still looks cool. The like whole city landscape machine empire backdrop all awesome and it's literally the moment bulk and skull show up that the short film i think goes too far like killing jason that's one thing but then it's like i'm pretty sure they drop a c word almost immediately they do yeah uh like that was kind of where i thought it went a step too far with the maturity or just like the depiction and branching a little too far from what this show is or should be yeah, but, yeah. It was that and not the Zach flashback where <laughs> we uh, we find out he likes having threesomes with Divatox and Scorpina, even though we're not told that's who we, that, who they are. I had to look that up online. By the way, fun uh, a fun fact, if you've listened to the Power Trip, you know I'm not a fan of Divatox, but hilariously, Divatox in this thing is played by Brie Olsen, who's a porn actress, and she grew up in my hometown. Well, they're both porn actresses, Nathan. Oh, uh, well, but I'm only singling out Brie Olsen because she grew up in my hometown. Ah, okay. Or Wayne, Indiana. Good Lord. <laughs> I was really hoping you hadn't read the credits because I was hoping to pull that out later that, yeah, the women making out in Zach's bed are for no reason Scorpina and Diva Talks. <laughs> you know, um, for, of course, for, of course, research purposes, I had to go back and watch that particular scene. Um, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Which, by the way, that's the part that gets censored on YouTube. It does, uh, yeah. Because the there's part. flat out nudity in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. I've been watching I the told- YouTube cut, so. No, uh, I- yeah. Oh, no, it's on Vimeo. Go on Vimeo. There's flat out nudity in it. <laughs> I, I told I told Nathan, I said, there's no corset. There's no mask. There's no gold anywhere. That's not Scorpina and Diva Docs. That's just two naked women. And I said, I'm the researcher here. And I'm like, IMDb and Wikipedia all say <laughs> Scorpina and Diva Docs, So... Well, what makes more sense to me is that, no, canonically, that's not the Divatox and Scorpina, because those two never interacted in the show. That That's just coincidentally their stripper names. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I'm willing to go with that. Both of the, like, Divatox is already not, like, that sounds like a dominatrix in Scorpina. Like, oh, wow, yeah, I have a yeah. S- scorpion on my lower back. Like, yeah, I, I can see a stripper taking that. You know, I, you know I, if there was a, if, like, the girl actually had a scorpion tattoo on her stomach or something, that, at least that would tell me that's who it's supposed to be. At least a little hint. 
Well, you know, I'm willing to go with that. I'm willing to go with that headcanon. That'll be my new headcanon as well. Yeah. And then after that, Zach goes over and snorts some cocaine because that's what you do, right? I mean, that's wait, look, when you put out dozens and dozens of failed hip-hop keto tapes, I mean, what else? Okay, the hip-hop keto bit was probably the most RoboCop thing in, the whole, in this whole thing. He puts a hip-hop keto exercise tapes, and it is, and it, it is a very clear parody of Tybo. Okay, like... That's probably my favorite part of the whole thing right there. That was genuinely funny. It was. Because that actually seems like something they would have done in Power Rangers. For because they did release karate tapes for Tommy. They, they should have given Zach and Hip Hop Keto tape. Right. Uh, well, Walter we, Jones, I think, was just kind of done. Well, <laughs> uh, you, you know, it, it was that because it's that kind of really funny line. And it it sticks out because it feels almost out of place where uh where rocky is confronting kim about zach and she says about those hip-hop keto tapes and it just feels kind of that part felt feels a little bit out of place especially for that particular conversation i i think i would agree i think it's just like i'm not sure where else they would slip that in and i like i really like the world building it gives and how quickly that sells the kind of character zach was yeah i mean in 10 seconds you kind of get a feeling for where this person was between his time as a ranger and now his return. Yeah. And I wonder if the intention there with that was a kind of, you know, don't meet your heroes sort of a thing, because it's showing that Zach has a very different public persona compared to what he's like in real life where, well, there's also the line from, there's also the line from Rocky that went in the same scene where he says, yeah, he went, I'm paraphrasing. He went from being a, a, a ranger to, uh, selling false hope to fat kids, you right? Know, it's that kind of it's that that's that line. It, it's actually it's kind of funny, but it it is. I think you're onto something, Nathan. Where uh, it is it is kind of a satire of don't meet your heroes because they will always disappoint yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because Zach's public persona is this really fun exercise guru, but in reality, he's a black ops. He's a black ops soldier who has threesomes with supervillains, snorts cocaine, and kills lots of North Koreans. I think where I take issue with that, because it is kind of like the highlight action scene, at least including a ranger in the clip. Right. It's the only time we really get an extended sequence with a full, fully costumed ranger. Like, there are a few things we can get into later that make me feel like this could have been any teen superhero team that they swapped Mm -hmm. out. Uh, and I think a, the big problem here is that, like, it's the Black Ranger against a bunch of human gangsters and soldiers. And, like, I get why they're choosing that for this, but I think just, like, be more in line with the franchise. I would have enjoyed it a lot more if this was, like, maybe a holdout of Rita's forces or, like, some of the last remaining putties or monsters. Just because, like, it doesn't seem right seeing a Power Ranger fight human people. Mm, yeah. Which is interestingly is something that has been touched on a little bit in the in Carl Dutton's Power Rangers audio drama podcast. Well, it's also something that's been touched on in official media too, because we just watched RPM. Right. Because in the in RPM, the Rangers to give spoilers for RPM, Vengex, who is our big bad for RPM, has turns out he actually has sleeper cells within the, right. the government organization that he activates And the civilians. And the civilians. So including has, kids including kids. So that gets right. pretty dark. So we've seen uh, we, we've seen this this idea of we've seen Rangers fight civilians before. Uh, but I just feel like I'm I'm with you, Tommy. It just feels a little bit 
either out, I don't know if it's out of place or just it's just jarring in this moment. Now, I will say, like, what I find funny about literally every form of Power Rangers film we get here, too, is that the lack of suit footage of the Rangers, because this is about all we get other than a quick couple quick flashes in that Saving Private Ryan opening. The 90s movie, and, that was a problem. The and, a little bit, and a little bit at the end when uh, Tommy says Kimberly died in my arms. Mm. Which I do love the design choices they made on the Green Ranger suit there. Yes, I did really like that. Where the Dragon Shield's made of energy. That was cool. Mm. That feels like something that, that the, the 2017 film, if they were able to Make do a, a second, if they were able to do a sequel with the Green Ranger, I feel like that's what they would have done. And honestly, on the suits, like, this is part of where I feel like the 2017 film would have done well to be more like this and that, like, they seem much closer to the original suits than that movie did. They still look a little goofy, I'll say. Like, there could be some more refinements if they had several millions of dollars to throw at it. But, like, kind yeah. of that classic look that you can immediately recognize mixed with the whole, like, it's a Power Rangers, where are they now story. Like, I feel <laughs> like that's what the big budget Power Rangers film should have been to capitalize on the nostalgia. Just, you know, instead of showing them all die from suicide and drug overdoses, instead make it a, like, let's get the band back together story. Well, and, and murder. Let's don't forget the murder. <laughs> Actually, everything was murder. <laughs> Some murders are more murder than others. Okay. Yeah, yes. It is. It is touching a little bit on something, Nathan. You and I talked about. We talked about this a few weeks ago when we were we're we're getting ready to come on on your show, Tommy. Uh, we talked about because on our show we we like to dig out some thematics for a particular season. So Nathan and I were kind of putting our heads together and trying to figure out a theme for Power Rangers Unauthorized, and the theme that we determined was the closest, I guess, was the loss of innocence, because mm -hmm. that's kind of what we're getting here. You're taking a what has been perceived as a very child-friendly, very safe-for-work property and just twisting it to where it doesn't feel like the original thing, it, or it, it's stripping the innocence from it. I think that that theme also kind of speaks to to our characters here, to our rangers, because no more, no longer are they the goody two shoe cleanup crew power rangers we got to see in season one. You know, they're they're real people that have made some really bad mistakes because like, at the end of the day, they're human and they're just trying to survive this world they've been thrown into. And I actually know you're right on the money there since Adi Shankar uh, released a video afterwards that's uh, kind of a goof or I think it's meant for laughs. Uh, where he talks about why he made this, and he talks about exactly that, like him remembering the Power Rangers as like child soldiers and wanting to explore what it's like to, you know, these kids that had to miss school to fight aliens and like see warfare right up close. Like they wouldn't have good grades. They wouldn't have normal lives. Like they'd be messed up and they'd have PTSD from being turned into superhuman child soldiers. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's because there's that line from Rocky when he's talking to what he who he thinks is Kimberly. He says, we were children. We were children called to fight an intergalactic war for forces beyond our understanding or so I'm paraphrasing. Right. Um, so it does. It's a really in, it, it really is an interesting concept. I will say that regardless of my personal feelings towards Power Rangers Unauthorized, it is at least a very interesting concept. That, right. That, and that I does have some deep themes. Go ahead, Nathan. Sorry. Well, I was just going to say, I think I, I was thinking of it in terms of, you know, uh, you know, Tommy, like when we were you know, when we talked about Ultra Mega 
and what Ultra Mega is. And I know you're working on your own comic book project that will would be along these lines. And I, I am not opposed to the idea of what is presented in here, but I think it should be explored in a Power Ranger pastiche as opposed to, like we've been saying, making it an actual, or, you know, slapping the Power Ranger name on it and passing it off as such, because this isn't really Power Rangers. And honestly, people, you need to watch this with the mindset of this is satire and it's not meant to be taken unironically. Yeah, like you could replace the title with VR Troopers and it would work the same, like with the same footage and everything. Or if you just scrub one or two scenes, like you could make it Teen Titans or Ninja Turtles or a number of other things. I mean, it's kind of funny because didn't, you know, it was no, it was originally the short lived DC streaming service. They basically did that with the Titan show a few years ago. Right. I remember that being like, people were like, what are you doing? That's, this isn't what we want. And then it was meme tastic, you know, F Batman. Yeah. It's just got three seasons. And I'm not sure yeah. it's even canceled yet. Yeah. You know, that's the, that's the crazy thing. People are like, we don't want this, but then the show came on and apparently enough people watch it. It's been on for three seasons. Yeah. So, I feel like in some ways that's kind of what this is, but I don't know. It worked for Teen Titans. One thing I think this movie is missing, uh, given its world and everything we see, is uh, like, why is the Machine Empire actually the bad guys here? And that like, okay, we know Zordon was recruiting child soldiers, and we never get an actual explanation of like, ah, only youth could get these powers. We know Zeta, or we know Rita and Zed, obviously awful. <laughs> is, that their, is that their super couple name? That's yes. Super yes, couple name, yes. Uh, although I think uh, Zeta would be better. I think that should have been yeah. their kid name, if nothing else. But Oh, good uh, lord, we're not talking about Thrax. <laughs> we're, not, no, yeah, we're not talking we're about Thrax. We're not going there, okay. Uh, but yeah, like, the Machine Empire, like, one, we see the skyline of Angel Grove, and it's an incredible special effect. Looks pretty nice. We see Rocky's got a nice uh, bionic leg that seems to be doing, treating him just well. He can hold his own in a fight against Tommy, for sure, with it. And Billy is on top of the world, like, with his technology merger with them. Like Apparently, he's Elon Musk in this world, which is funny. That was my joke on the show when we were talking about Mighty Morphin Season 1. Is like, he invented a flying car. How is he not Elon Musk in this universe? <laughs> Did you notice that they uh, did manage to slip in a reference to Billy being gay in the... Well, to David Yost being gay, yeah. Yeah, yeah. but well, I mean, they, they're making they... the character in this. Yeah, right. they, they are. They, it, is, yeah, it, was, it was incredibly subtle. Like, I didn't notice it until... I think I had to, I had to scrub and go back, to, and they reveal it to... Well, it's revealed in the dialogue where Rocky says, oh... Billy's probably the one that you didn't sleep with. And then it sh- mm-hmm. and then it cuts to some magazine covers. And apparently uh, Billy was married. He married his husband or uh, was dating somebody. And so that's like kind of a deep cut reference. Uh, to according act. to Wikipedia, it's his husband. And it was played, interestingly, in that photograph by Adi Shankar. OK, no. OK. What confuses me about that, though, is similar to like Diva Tox and Scorpina being in the credits, I saw the last credited character was uh, Sestria, which was like Billy's alien girlfriend briefly in the show. And I really looked and have no clue where she is here, unless maybe she's also making out naked and not in the YouTube version. Oh, jeez. Uh, I only saw two women in that one when I, I watched yeah, it on video. I don't, I don't know where she would have been. 
yeah, I thought maybe she's like in the background of the funeral, but like the funeral guests are billed separately. Uh, so my assumption is she's in a deleted scene because it's the last named cast member. I mean, yeah. Trini is only in this as a picture, but that that woman gets a credit. So, yeah, I mean, maybe maybe she was in the, the funeral scene where Trini's memorial, but I don't recall. But I'm I'm with you, Tommy, that I think that it was made. It just probably was a, a scene that got put on the cutting room floor that just never made it. Here I am checking Ranger Wiki to see if it says anything. Now, on the note of Billy and Trini here, though, um, sure. How do we feel about the subtle or not so subtle references to real life events with these characters, like David Yost being bullied for his sexuality on set, and Trini's actress tragically dying young in a car accident? I mean, I mean, there's even the kind of metatextual line where Kimberly tells Rocky, "You are never really one of us." Mm-hmm. Ow. <laughs> refresh refresh my memory tommy when did when did uh david yost come out uh when did he have the interview i i don't have it i don't i can't recall but it was like i mean i know he was getting harassed for it on set so i don't know like when he went public public but it sounded like in yeah his, well like, when he was right. on the show he was still figuring himself out i've heard him say that well, he, he what I'm what I'm asking is I'm just wondering if I'm wondering if this film coincided or if it was I'm assuming it was many years after because I think David Yost, uh, the actor who played Billy in Power Rangers, uh, came out as gay in like 2009, I think 2009, 2010 in an interview he did. I honestly I, I thought it was a nice way to honor that character. Uh, in a weird way, even though he shot himself in the head. No, R- Rita made him do it. That's where it gets a little touchy for me because I know he's David Yost has specifically talked about like feeling suicidal because of his treatment on set. That it's 2010 very, was it 2010? Okay, yeah, uh, yeah. It's very reminiscent of when oh god, uh, the guy that plays the guy that plays uh, Ninja Storm the the guy that plays Ninja Storm Red. His name is escaping escaping me right now. Nathan uh, Medina is that his last name? No, that's uh, Wild Force. Wild Force. No, yeah, you're okay. Right. We'll just go with Wild Force Red because Wild Force Red, his real life events came eerily close to being mimicked in a season we're going to be talking about soon, Samurai, where he's literally a bad guy that wields a katana sword. And if yeah, anyone yeah. knows the uh, backstory, Pua Magasiva was oh, uh, yeah, Ninja Pua Magasiva. Storm Thank Red. You. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so, there's an episode of there's an episode of Ninja Storm that is weirdly dark. And if you know what happened to Mr. Makasiva, it's shockingly true to life. It is. And the fact that David Yost has talked about on record of being suicidal or not wanting to continue, not not wanting or wanting to end his life because of how he was treated, which is a travesty. Um, it is. Da- it is. I don't know how to I honestly personally don't know how to feel about it because it's it's dark and it fits the story, but it's almost I don't know. I don't want I don't think disrespectful is the word I'm looking for, but it's a little bit more. It's a little bit too true to life for I think to for people would, would be personally comfortable with if they knew every if they knew all the details. I, I don't know. I I personally thought it was making him I, I personally thought him personally thought making Billy gay in this was a, was a way to honor the real life character. But again, to your point, Tommy, when you, when it shows him committing suicide, that takes a very dark turn that is somewhat related to, or is very related to real life events. And I, that's tough. That's, that's a really tough thing. 
Yeah, and I'll give them the benefit of the doubt that, like, maybe they didn't know of David Yost saying that it went that far. And, like, mm-hmm. they do reveal he got just got the same treatment as everyone else, so I won't harm mm-hmm. on him too much for that. Right, yeah. And in the case of Trini, like, I'm glad that she died off screen rather than doing something right. else that makes the character look awful, just because it feels a little more respectful to the dead. Yeah, yeah. Well, and like I said, I feel like it does get, it gets lessened later because we find out that this was all being orchestrated by Rita. She was basically using her magic to get into the Rangers' heads and make them do things. Because it's not just Billy that it happened to. She got Zach to do the same thing. I mean, if it were not for her, it's safe to assume that Billy would have been at least a somewhat well-adjusted billionaire. Uh, for as, as well adjusted as he probably can be working for the machine empire selling weapons or make or creating weapons i should say now uh kind of rounding out i believe it's after that point that things finally come to a head with uh the tommy rocky fight scene and such well i do love the fight scene i have to admit i think this is kind of a. I know this is probably intentional almost but this is taking the mm-hmm. dark knight tropes to their extreme and that mm-hmm. uh when Tommy shows up, he's literally just teleporting around the room, stabbing guys from behind. Like, you see the people firing off their guns in that direction, and then he's just somewhere else. And <laughs> we know Tommy doesn't have his powers, so, like, what gives? He's a ninja? Okay, canonically, he is a ninja. I can't. <laughs> I, I, I was going to say, uh, he's Tommy Oliver. <laughs> And he just Tommy Oliver's all over the place. Like it, it's it's. I mean, let's be honest. Tommy Tommy and this is the one Ranger who still remains a hero throughout the whole thing. Everyone else is dead or traitorous. <laughs> but I mean, they undercut the whole like. Well, it's Tommy freaking Oliver in that no one's favorite Ranger Rocky defeats him. Like he he wins the fight. Like Tommy would be dead if uh, Rita didn't shoot Rocky in the end. This is true. I, it's, I, you know, when Nate, when Nate and I first talked about this, uh, when we first talked about unauthorized, we took it as they were maybe doing a tribute to Tommy Oliver because, uh, you know, he is Tommy freaking Oliver. And, uh, there is a, there is a still a very strong sect of the fandom where they say that Tommy can beat anyone that he comes across, which we, which we can assume that's not true, but yeah, still, I mean, yeah. It, it, Tommy um, Oliver has gotten a little bit of a Batman level reputation where they just think that you can, yeah, take on anybody and win. Well, it's, you know, it's, it's like, it's kind of like how I wrote in that, ne- in that second article, it's like, you know, Tommy Oliver taught the character of Tommy Oliver regardless of how you feel about JDF personally, the actor, Tommy Oliver has reached, you know, Captain America, Superman, Batman, you know, uh, uh, Iron Man status, because that character is so ingrained now in pop culture. Now, it's not as I will say it's not as ingrained as, say, um, Marvel characters now, because the Marvel Cinematic Universe has just taken over, even with people who don't even care about comics or don't even care about the nerds. Yeah. they just watch yeah, what, the movies. What astonishes me is that a bunch of, thanks to the MCU, a bunch of B-list characters, some of which even me as a comic book fan, I either didn't know or barely knew existed. Now they're all rock stars. And you know what? I will fanboy hard enough to say that I would buy an argument that uh, Tommy Oliver in fighting condition or some level of peak may be the greatest warrior on the planet in terms of fighting skill. 
But yeah, I'm not going to say he's the most powerful ranger, that he beats anyone by default, but yeah, like, uh, I feel yeah. like an argument could be made given, like, has anyone actually fought things more powerful than Tommy has one-on-one, and does anyone else have that level of experience, like, literally doing martial arts to save the planet as he does? Yeah, yeah, I mean, let's be honest, until Dino Fury, he's the only ranger who ever fought Lord Zed, canonically. And weirdly, uh, Tommy headcanons. I feel like I can make a convincing argument that Tommy getting into NASCAR racing or stock car racing as he's retiring as a Power Ranger makes total sense for his character. Uh, As much as I love Dino Thunder, its timeline kind of mucks everything up. (laughs) Well, I I think to to, because that's always been kind of a weird thing with Tommy. Like, why did he want to become a stock car racer? My headcanon, my personal headcanon to that is... He's seen and done so many things. He he's Tommy's a thrill seeker. He's he wants he wants to be tested. He wants he wants the adrenaline rush is what I is what I really uh, my head cannon for Tommy is he's a he's an adrenaline junkie. Yeah, but yeah, you're close. And my head cannon is that Tommy's just spent the last like three or four years of his life having to be in shape and fight evil and drive dangerous vehicles for a living. Mm-hmm. And now like. He's graduating and needs to figure out what he is going to do for what's he what he's going to do with his life and like well he probably shouldn't be fighting people with martial arts in his spare time if that's what he has to do as a ranger and put himself at risk um, or you know unfair advantage so him taking a job where he needs to stay in shape wear a helmet and drive a dangerous vehicle shit he has years of experience for that he's more qualified to be a stock car racer than anyone else his age i mean you're not wrong (laughs) in the then like i don't know seven years between that and dino thunder like hey maybe he works through this whole adrenaline junkie thing gets it out of his system sees some therapy or like cat talks him out of it or maybe his divorce does something about that but uh that's hitting a little too close to home right now. Oh shit! <laughs> uh, but yeah, like I think it. I think there's totally a realm where Tommy gets into stock car racing and then decides to instead pursue a career in teaching in that seven year span. Yeah, I mean, you you go so far with it, and you you almost kind of look at yourself and say, "Enough is enough." Like you, or you have to wonder, when is enough enough? You know, uh, and maybe maybe after. Um, Maybe after Turbo, he just got it out of his system, like you said. Yeah, or like, who knows? If I if I have to put this to a comic, uh, we see Tommy in a hospital bed, and what's he watching on TV but footage of uh, Countdown to Destruction happening, and he has to accept the fact that because of a stupid car accident that could have been avoided in his stock car racing career, he wasn't there to fight on the day that the world needed Power Rangers more than ever. Now that's right. that's really messed up and dark. That's that's enough to drive somebody to drink for sure. So what you're saying is that's how we got this Tommy. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. There we go. It all comes full circle. <laughs> there, I got us back on topic. Oh there you go. So this is gritty. Uh, I too used to drink a lot, Tommy. <laughs> it was like, I have to be a hero again. I will be the resistance leader against the Terminators. I mean, the machine empire, <laughs> you know, drinking, I would, I would imagine drinking used beer out of a trash can is not the most ideal. And that would probably 
that would that would probably show how big of a man you are actually you know i don't know I, i'm just I, I feel like i'm just making shit up now at this point yeah well what's funny is now that i think about it th- this movie's version of tommy does look eerily similar to modern day jdf because he grew a beard so uh no it, this this version of tommy kind of reminds me of um who Nathan? Who is the actor that played uh, Daredevil in the uh, Charlie Cox? Yes. Oh, yeah, Charlie yes. Cox. Yeah. Yeah, he kind of looks eerily similar to him. Yeah, the guy who played him in this is named Russ Bain. I don't know what else he's done. Yeah, badass name, if nothing else. You've only adopted the doc. <laughs> I was morphed into it. <laughs> <laughs> The, the welcome to the dark side of the morphing grid. <laughs> now, that brings us to the end of the film, though. Uh, I am curious about any further thoughts you have as far as, like, flaws, things you liked, or, like, things you think other Power Rangers media could actually take from this. You know, th- this is so incredibly different. I don't even know what flaws to give it because it's so it's such a radical departure from what we've seen from the franchise before. Right. As for... What as for what the franchise could actually take from this, I think there is a I think there is definitely a world where, like you said, uh, uh, like you said, Tommy, um, where you have the aesthetics of the 2017 film, you have the dark grittiness of this, but maybe not pushed to quite edgelord status. I feel like the 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 Power Rangers the audio drama is doing something very similar right. to this. It's not an it's not an official piece of media. It's a production by our friend Carl Dutton, and and they're doing something very similar to this, where they're taking they're taking the original lore and maturing it, like really mm-hmm. really maturing and streamlining it in a lot of ways. Yeah, so just to get, and and grounding it. So just to give an example, so. Rita in the audio drama eventually becomes the space witch. But when we first meet her, even though it's revealed later, she's descended from actual space witches. Mm-hmm. She's not a space witch. when we first meet her, she is the commander of a starship. It's mm-hmm. not until later on that they set up a base on the moon. And, and, it's, and it's due to a crash landing. It's, and not it's due even, to a crash landing. Now, Lord, you know, Lord Zed is still the emperor of all he sees, and you know things like that. So they, he didn't muck around with Lord Zed all that much. Yeah, and I suppose I should mention to the folks at home that we're actually talking to a cast member of the Power uh, yeah. audio drama right here. And <laughs> yeah, yeah. I and, a spoiler warning. I play Rito. So. <laughs> Yeah, Rita Revolto, uh, Rita's skeleton brother. Uh, well, that's the other thing. That's some grounding. He is not a he's not a skeleton man, but he's a soldier who wears armor that looks like a skeleton. Mm-hmm. And uh, he is not a buffoon. He is a smart aleck. <laughs> he's just a smart ass. Yes. Yeah, he's a smart aleck, and he doesn't call Lord Zed Ed. He does call him Ed, but he doesn't do it because he's an idiot. He does it to mock him because in this version, Master Vile or Master Villy, as the, the name got tweaked a little bit, is basically a power broker who's funding Zed's empire building. Mm-hmm. So he's basically got he's basically got Lord Zed by his 
skinless balls. Hmm. <laughs> so Rito's just like, I could do whatever I want because you can't do anything about it. Yeah, because they're all working with daddy's money. Yeah. Um, but back to what I was saying, I think that there is a middle ground between this that goes so far to the extreme and then maybe what the 2017 film did. Because tw- the, the, the 2017 movie tried to be... Um, it tried to be Transformers, but with Power Rangers. I still think that to a point, not me- maybe not necessarily as much as I used to say, but I still feel like the 2017 film was made by people that were kind of a little embarrassed that they were working on Power Rangers because it went so far into Iron Man Transformers territory that it- uh, X-Men, I think X-Men, it would be a more, uh, yeah. Yeah, X-Men, X-Men, Transformers territory that it almost could have not been. It could have almost been a lot like this where it ceases to be sort of the thing that it's supposed to be. Yeah, I'm kind of with the same mind. And since we see so little of those morphed Rangers in that movie, like it's again, I think you can replace it with any other old property of heroes driving giant vehicles i mean hell uh, you could do you could replace it with beetleborgs and all and all yeah. you'd really have to all you would really have to do is just uh change up the costumes a little bit and like yeah. i thought it didn't quite lean enough into the transformers aspect like it could have used a little bit more balls to the wall action i guess or a movie about a line of toys should have more than uh, eight minutes of action uh especially if it has superheroes uh, we should about actually 20 see heroes. but yeah yeah um, yeah but I would agree with your endorsement, though, that like I think the audio drama is that Goldilocks zone between these two things. And I mean, uh, yeah, because it's very true to what came before. It does keep it keeps just enough of the cheese to add some flavor, but it also does crazy things like Tommy, you know, uh, mind control. Tommy sleeps with Scorpina. A lot of people were not prepared for that. <laughs> oh, hey, both these things have Rangers sleeping with Scorpina. Go figure. <laughs> I mean. <laughs> Can yeah. you blame us uh, or blame them? I should say. I mean, the actress who played Scorpina <laughs> was very fine. I'm just saying. Well, I, I think in, in in she was both a femme fatale in she was more so she was more so a femme fatale in uh, Zoo Ranger than maybe Power Ranger. She didn't get a, she didn't get quite as much screen time in in Power Rangers as she did in Zoo Ranger. Uh, but she's definitely in the audio drama a very fem, a very fatal fatal woman. Um, in that one. So, I mean, it's what Carl and his, team, and she I'm, cheats on Goldar with, with mind control, Tommy. Right. And, and what Carl well, was going to say, what Carl has been able to do with the audio drama. I know we sing its praises all the time, but it really is kind of that. Like if, if Hasbro could take barring the comics, I think, I, I think we could reasonably say that even the comics are more, are more mature than the, than the actual mainline show than Dino, what the current show is Dino Fury. Yeah. Easily the two best media for any adult fan are, yeah, the comics and the audio drama. The comics mm-hmm. being, like, the best thing you could possibly do with the established lore and TV show history. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. and, the, and the audio drama being everything I want from a remake of Power Rangers in yeah. uh, like, short premiere season. Yeah, for sure. There's just so much, there's just so much media and lore that they, that Hasbro or... If Hasbro wanted to do whatever the next phase of the franchise is, whether it's a film, which they're talking about now, whether it's a a multi-shared universe that's more mature, 
Uh, I think that there is a world and I think Hasbro would actually be kind of smart in doing this if they wanted to invest the time and the money. Have three different versions or maybe two, maybe narrow it down to two, but um, ideally I would, I would want three, three different versions of Power Rangers that hit those, that hit those different age and sensibility demographics. You have the, you have an, an animated series. Why Power Rangers has not gotten an animated series by now is beyond me. Um, you have an animated series. Let them do that for the for the for the children. You have what they're doing currently with the with the mainline show Dino Fury that kind of goes. It's more like CW pre uh, tween uh, that tween young adult ish age demographic. And then you have something like what they're doing with the Boom Studios comics that leans a bit more mature. That old, that still uh, that still pays tribute and pays homage to the lore, like like the comics do, but there's something for the older fans because one thing that we noticed uh, when we were doing our Saban era ranking is when you go from Mighty Morphin Power Rangers to Time Force, the series seems to grow up with its audience because it gets progressively more mature as the series goes on, and then you. And then it just kind of starts from scratch. It starts over with with the Disney era. It would be really fun to have something like the what like having them adapt the Boom Studios comics to a film or a TV series and throw it up on HBO Max or whatever streaming service they want to put it on. Market it as probably Netflix. Probably Netflix. Yeah, market it as market it as Power Rangers for our age demographic for the for the people in their 30s and 40s that grew up with the franchise but are old enough that can you know understand some of that can get that can wrap their minds around some of these deeper more nuancey things that only really come with age because there's a lot of stuff in those boom studios comics that kit that younger people can't really understand because they really have they they don't have enough age and experience under the belt. And I know I sound like an old man right now, but, um, okay. Boomer. Yeah, I know. I know I'm an elder millennial, sir. Thank you very much. And I just really think there should be ideally a, a, a three categories of power Rangers cartoons for the kids, what they're currently doing for the tweens and eight and younger adults. And then something for people in our age demographic that skews a little bit more mature. I think that's right. a good balance. What they do, I don't know. I don't know. Well, I mean, Marvel and DC have been doing stuff like that for years at this point. And I know there's, I think part of the hesitation that there's been for it is that they're afraid of cross-pollination and confusing audiences. I'm like, yeah, but comic book, like I said, comic book companies have been doing it forever. And everyone understands, okay, uh, I'm trying to think of an example. What was it? Like Batman Brave and the Bold is not the same Batman as you know bathlek or something mm -hmm. like that we can all understand that and at the end of the day it it is still power rangers and unfortunately power rangers doesn't have quite the it has the pop culture it has the pop culture credentials with mighty morphin and its legacy but i don't feel like power rangers is really front of mind for a lot of people or they or they hear the word power rangers and they say oh yeah i know that i remember that show that's the one with the colored spandex and the dinosaur. Robot. It's not spandex. <laughs>
Okay, there we go. Um, <laughs> You're welcome, RPM fans. But I, I just don't. I just don't think that Power Rangers yet has enough social capital for peep for the for a general audience to take something like that seriously. Which is a lot of the reason why the 2017 film maybe didn't do as well as it should have. I, I think I'd agree with that, and I think as this kind of moves into its Netflix era, it's going to it's really going to have to figure out its audience and figure out how to appeal to all the age ranges and i have confidence they can do that with what i've seen from them do with uh things like masters of the universe but bring things back to the movie itself uh do we want to move into the awards yes uh I, i'm really it's I'm really... A, now it's a true crossover we are now getting to the power trip portion of the of the episode uh yes and it's for and for people uh of the listeners of giant size violence for anyone who's not listened to our show on our on our podcast we like to give out awards uh for the different categories throughout each season so why not give out awards for power rangers unauthorized and so i guess are we going to do the same awards we always do uh Tommy? i think that was the plan okay that's the plan so for our first award it is our power range of motion uh and this is the award we typically give for the best stunt or fight scene so uh tommy this is your show you go first all right, so for this, I had considered the Zack fight, but ultimately decided to go with the fight between Rocky and Tommy towards the end, just because there's some genuinely pretty cool fight choreography, like, especially there's, uh, like, a kickflip off a wall over a sword, and, like, okay, that that's yep. peak stunt work right there. The yeah. Zack fight yeah, is yeah. more CGI. He blocks, uh, he blocks Tommy's sword with his leg, with his bionic <laughs> yeah. leg, which is just clever. Yeah, very much. Yeah. What about you, Nathan? I considered the, I wrote down several candidates. I considered the Tommy versus Rocky fight. I also considered Zach versus the North Koreans. But after you brought it up, I'm like, you know what? I think I'm going to have to go with that because it, it, it's probably the most Power Rangery thing in this while also probably one of the best reimaginings of uh, of a Power Ranger thing in it, which is the opening. That very saving Private Ryan style opening with the that starts with a first person view of I believe it's supposed to be Jason. I think yeah, because I think there was some red there, and you know, and we see his hand, and he's running around. We see Zord fights and monsters and all kinds of cool stuff there. And I'm like, you know what? If you just took that in isolation, this would be really cool. And then it just goes insane after that. Well, I guess I'm going to be basic and say that my uh, Power Range of Motion award is going to go to the fight scene with Zack versus the North Koreans. Um, Just because because the fight choreography is not bad. I I do agree with uh, I do agree with Tommy. The the fight scene between Rocky and Tommy is a little bit better choreographed, but, you know, the fact that you see Zack fully suited up in his Ranger armor that is the closest thing that feels like Power Rangers, I guess, in this particular iteration. Yeah, mm-hmm. and even though we've never seen anything like this happen in the show, I love that helmet throw stunt so yes. much in this. Oh, it does. Yeah, the, oh, uh, he's holding, he kicks the helmet off of one of the goons and then just puts it on. That was cool. And he, says it's, that more, and he cool. says it's morphin' time. I mean, it's yeah. more, more, how much better can you get? <laughs> morphin' yeah. time. <laughs> it's morphin' time. And... Kick. Yeah, 
And th- but and then interestingly, they don't give Zach his traditional weapon. He beats them all up with a knife. <laughs> Which that's something that always brought it down for me is like there's just really goofy positioning when he takes out the general in the end. Like the way he's got that knife in his neck. I've always thought that was like the one weird scene. I that thought he. Right I honestly him. thought he stabbed him in the ear. Like he's plunged the blade into his eardrum. But that mm-hmm. wouldn't make sense. That blade would be too big. You need an ice pick for something like that. <laughs> So for the next award, it's our Ultra SFX Zord Award. And this is you said it right. <laughs> this is the award we typically give to uh, the best special effects. So Tommy, uh, same same as before, go first. Yeah. So mine, I'm actually going to give to probably one of the least significant special effects, but the the view of the future Angel Grove mm. looks really good. Like that's a really impressive future skyline and yeah very blade runner yeah maybe that's like some stock special effect that was developed on a higher budget for something else but i mean for a scene that really isn't like necessary for this movie necessarily uh, especially like how good that shot looks compared to all the other gritty (laughs) scenes we see of normal people uh yeah i was very impressed with the level of cgi there Mm -hmm. go ahead nathan the dragon shield of energy just because uh, that is such a cl- uh, that is so clever. Sorry. So what? We can have the same one. It's fine. It's fine. just so I just thought it was so clever. And it's probably the m- most interesting. Cons- uh, well, maybe not the most interesting, but it's one of the most interesting things they do in this by making it energy. So I'm like, that would make it so easy to, you know, to transfer and things like that. And it makes sense that he could use something like that to block energy attacks and things like it just. The science fiction fan and writer in me, which is like, ooh, that makes so much sense. Yeah, yeah. Probably for my for my award, I'm gonna have to. Well, I was gonna go with the dragon shield, but just for the simple fact of being different, um, I'm gonna go with some of the cinematography as well for this because it it is really good. It is really really good for a fan film. And I yeah, this is very cinematic. This is shot very cinematically. Like the, I love the low angles. I love those really tight low angle shots, uh, especially like when they do the zoom in on like the Pink Ranger helmet. Uh, that really kind of tight shot where you have the the machine, what looks like a, well a, a member of the Machine Empire army and the Megazord fighting in the background. Uh, I just really like the cinematography for this uh, short film, and it is it, it is incredibly well done. It is incredibly well done. If I honestly, if I were new to the franchise uh, and didn't know anything that if I didn't know anything about Power Rangers, I would assume this was official. Honestly, didn't you have a funny runner up? I did. And I was debating (laughs) on whether I want to show it or I was going to say it. But my runner up is the naked Scorpina and naked David Duck. You're such a dude, bro. <laughs> uh, see, that's the only reason you want me to say it because you want to punch, <laughs> you punch down on me like that. Thanks, Nathan. Appreciate it. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's your fantasy, right? You got the corset off, so. Oh boy, we're moving on. So the next award is. <laughs> so our next. I'm terrible. Award, I know. <laughs> yes, you are. Our next award is our more phenomenal Mad Lib, which is what we give to our favorite lines. So Tommy, start us off again. All right. I I had a hard time finding a favorite line, but I think I have to go with uh, Rocky saying Zach's been selling false hope to fat kids. <laughs> 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 
That was funny, actually. <laughs> I, and I, I want to go next because I want to piggyback off. I want to piggyback off of what Tommy said, and um, and say that my, it was between it was between about those hip hop keto tapes or <laughs> the one I actually ended up ended up choosing was bullshit is an ugly color on you. Oh, you stole mine. <laughs> <laughs> and now we're even. <laughs> uh, I just think, I, honestly, I think there's a lot of really good exposition in this, in this short film. Like they're giving, like they're a, they're, they're not only uh, giving us, interesting visuals but they're also telling uh, a fairly i would say compelling story through the dialogue as well um and they're sprinkling and like i think we we addressed it earlier but they're also sprinkling in little bits and pieces of of the actual lore and you know real life events for the franchise as well as um you know little inklings of what happens that what happened in universe with the show and i thought that was really interesting the dialogue and he the dialogue for this short film is really solid in my opinion yeah and after sitting through about six or eight episodes of samurai i welcome this acting <laughs> and this say. dialogue you know what uh, all of the profanities the questionable word choices whatever i'll take it over what's in samurai right sure now. <laughs> yeah for sure for sure so nathan did i really steal yours or are you gonna have yeah you did <laughs> oh well that sucks okay it's all well, right <laughs> So for the last award, it is our III Can't Believe That Happened Award. And this is the award that this is the award that we typically give to uh, the craziest moment or the moment that just made us kind of question our life choices. We're not quite sure yet. Um, so so all of all overdrive. Got it. <laughs> right. All of overdrive. So, Tommy, what was your award for this one? Uh, mine was uh, maybe a little bit outside the film itself. Mine was the rabbit hole I had to go town when I saw Divatox and Scorpina show up in the credits <laughs> and start searching okay. like, where were they? <laughs> okay, if they're the strippers, is there some hint back there? Nope, no, there's nope. no gold or anything here. <laughs> research, pur research purposes, research purposes. The only yeah. thing they got in common is that, yeah, this woman does look like a Victoria's Secret model, much like the original Divatox. Uh -huh, for sure. <laughs> yeah, well, what doesn't help is the I don't think the hair matches for either um, of them. I mean, Hillary. Well, no, uh, no, Scorpina. Yeah, but Scorpina. Uh, but Hillary Shepard was kind of blonde. I think she was more brunette than blonde, but she was kind of blonde. I had to spend too much time on the Internet looking into this just to find <laughs> out that they gave the naked that's, women little fun names. That's, and that's I, I'm still not happy about that. <laughs> <laughs> so okay so mine is a little bit of a cheat mine is a little bit of a cheat the, my I, I i can't believe that happened moment is actually no i'm not going to give that one I'm not, i was going to give it to this thing existing period but i'm actually going to give it to the fact the the twist ending the twist ending where mm -hmm. um kim kim is dead rita is the apparently the orchestrator of all these things that's going on and I really thought that like when I first watched it, I didn't know when I first when I very first watched this back in 2015, I didn't know what to make of it. But, you know, I was OK with it. And the fact that they brought in the actual face actress that played Rita in in the show, it just made it better. So mm -hmm. I'm going to go with the, the twist ending. Rita's Rita's the one that really uh, the, she's the one that finally killed our Rangers. It was Repulsa all along.
Nathan, what is your award? Oh, well, I had two choices. One's already kind of been touched on by Tommy, which was the the whole you know, Scorpina and Divatox thing. Uh, and although I put down and, you know, Zach sleeps with Scorpina and Divatox and starts crack because, of course. But uh, my backup for that is the hip hop keto tapes because <laughs> I forgot those. I When I watched it again for this podcast, I forgot that was in there. <laughs> it's such and a given that I kind of rediscovered Tybo during <laughs> during quarantine because I was trying to do some exercise in my apartment. I'm like, oh, this is even funnier now. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah, and it's such a like immediate cut to that, and uh, easily like the least expected thing I'd say up to that point in the movie. It's definitely it's definitely really disruptive. I think definitely like really 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 disruptive for yeah. This well, and it's about the only light moment in the entire thing, mm-hmm. so it's kind of welcome. <laughs> but uh, with our awards given out, then uh, I would like to thank you both for making the time to join the show and uh, oh, yeah, absolutely. initiating this crossover. Yeah, if we ever find other R-rated Power Rangers content to cover, I'd love to have you back. I mean, if you ever want to interview uh, cast members from the from the show or interview Carl, let me know. I can make it happen. Oh, yeah, I would very much like to have that happen. Just oh, for waiting sure. for the show to be in a better, more available place. And same with my voice. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> yeah, sure. I mean, yeah. that's that's uh, yeah. I mean, I think I think Carl and and their yep. team would love to come on and. Well, and talk. there's also uh, Legend of the White Dragon next year. Yeah, oh, yeah, that is true. I, I, I didn't want to be mean by asking this in case, like, I don't know, a cast member ever hears this, but <laughs> I part of me wanted to ask, like, okay, would you rather see a feature length version of this get made? Or would you rather see the white dragon actually get made? <laughs> uh, okay, well, white so, dragon's almost done. So. Well, yeah. so my morbid my morbid curiosity says white dragon. My fear that it's not going to be a good movie says let's just give us an extended cut of this. Um, so I, I honestly don't. I I'm leaning towards white dragon just because he's been working on that thing for. God, 20 years. It did. I don't, it's probably not been 10 years, years 10 years. He's been working on that thing for a decade now. And I kind of just want to see what all the hype is about. So I don't know. I, I'm really conflicted because, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think I'm going to lean White Dragon just out of morbid curiosity. Like I said, I think I'd prefer a feature length version of this, honestly, just because like there's a lot of bad Power Ranger short films out there. Or Power Ranger fan oh, yeah. films. And oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, like the directing and acting quality in this is frankly better than anything that's ever been in official Power Rangers media. It's definitely uh, better than Samurai. Let's I'll say oh that. My oh, my God. Yeah. Or at least it's more consistently good across the board. Like, I, I, uh, I was going to say, at least the at least these actors have more charisma than a corpse, which is. But no, it, this was this was a blast. Thank you, uh, Tommy, for having us on. This was a pleasure. You know, we would. Uh, I think I, I don't know when this episode is going to go out. So, but we're going to try to yep. we're going to try to co-release this at the same time, same time yep. you do. So for both audiences, and we'll make sure to you know point people towards you and your fantastic show, and um, hopefully we'll get to talk to each other again soon. Yep. And if you want to talk anything, you know, any other you know, quote unquote, more mature Tokusatsu, you know, call me to tap into my henshin men 
you know, credentials. So, I mean, we found each other because of a kinder. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And uh, if Henshin Men or the Power Trip ever want to dive into the comics associated with their media, I mean, like, I've read the Common Rider manga, I've read every single Power Rangers comic. So, happy to lend my knowledge to either of those. Oh, that would be great. Absolutely. Yeah, because we're hopefully, fingers crossed, we're going to cover the comics on the show. And I do have you, I do have you penciled in for a Monster Island Film Vault episode next season. So, yeah, can't wait. All right. Well, thank you once again for joining us on the show. Yeah. For those of you that want to hear more from Nathan and Michael, I can highly recommend the Power Trip podcast for my fellow Power Rangers fans that don't have the time or motivation to rewatch the show themselves. Uh, <laughs> and similarly with the Henshin Men, it's really great to know there's two guys out there watching every wild episode of Common Rider for me, so I don't have to watch them myself. Uh, but you should. You should. Yeah, I, I do really want to see that Starfish Hitler episode because that I, was Common Rider. That was uh, that wasn't the original Common Rider. That was I think that was Common Rider V three. I want to say someone posted the clip of that online, and I was not prepared. I mean, it, it's 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 a really jarring image when you see it. Uh, that that is that is for sure. Oh, no, I, I, this wasn't just an image. It was the actual thing. Of, and when I was watching, I was like, "What the heck is this?" And then when I saw, it, like, "Oh." Oh, oh, it's Common Rider X. That's what it is. Had the caption of, uh, I guarantee you will not guess how this clip is going to end. And sure enough, sorry I buried the lead, folks, but I still think if you look this up, you're going to be surprised. Yeah. But uh, with that, though, uh, that brings our episode to a close. Uh, I'd like to say once again to check out the Henshin Men podcast, the Power Trip, and the Monster Island Film of Vault, and most of all, the Starfish Hitler clip on YouTube. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and the uh, and the Power Rangers audio drama, because I am Rito. <laughs> Very much the Power Rangers audio drama. Um, but yeah, while we're still waiting for the next issue of Ultra Mega, we'll continue plugging away, checking out other great tokusatsu content. If you have any recommendations of your own, you can send them our way on social media. You can find us on the Giant Size Violence Facebook page, on Twitter as at UltraMegaCast, or email us at GiantSizeViolence at gmail.com. I'd like to thank you for giving our podcast a chance, and give a special shout-out to artists Ray Day Parade and Dark Moon Home Video for designing our logo and cover photos. Our intro music is You're an Ace Kid by Demon Dice from their album Alcatraz. You can check out their EP, Shut Up, Get Happy, on iTunes and Spotify. We hope you join us again as we continue to explore the movies and shows that Ultra Mega draws influence from. But until then, take care and remember to do your part in preventing the spread of the kaiju virus. But you're not just a brick in the wall. La da da.